Welcome to the ministry of Bishop Emmanuel Intefel of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. Bishop Intefel is a medical doctor and senior pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. A seasoned and anointed preacher and teacher of the Word of God, followed with various miracles, signs, and wonders. His in-depth teaching of the Word of God will change your life forever. Now, here's today's message. Amen. Are we happy to be here? Turn to your neighbor and ask, are you happy to be here? Hallelujah. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for the life of Bishop Jake, your great servant, and for this wonderful vision that we have given unto him. Lord, bless this church group campaign. Let us live here having been greatly inspired, taught, instructed, and anointed to build large churches and for your kingdom to expand. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the Lord of the harvests. We thank you for tonight. Guide us into all truth. Let, O oh God, now be released upon us the spirit of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. I pray that the eyes of our hearts and our eyes will be lightened that we may understand the hope of our calling. Thank you, O God, for the establishment of your purposes tonight. Let us be blessed. Let us be encouraged. Let us be strengthened. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel chapter 36, 37 and 38. God's word said, Thou said, the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. As the holy flock, as the flock of Jerusalem in her solemn feast. So shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, what I want us to understand tonight is that as pastors, church workers, church helpers, uh, church people, is that God wants his church to grow. Can I have an amen? God wants his church to grow. That's what Bishop Jake was teaching us about. That is very important for us to understand that the church must expand. The church must enter every place. Hallelujah. 
Amen. And then the church must grow and must increase. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want you to be afraid of the word mega church. Sometimes we are afraid of the term mega church because sometimes we feel that you are being prideful. You know, but a mega church, a large church, simply means that many people have entered into the kingdom of God. When the church is large, all that it means is that many people have moved from the kingdom of darkness to God's kingdom. That is all that it means. That is all that it means. It means that instead of many people going to hell, they are on their way to heaven. And so every pastor here must have this understanding and must have the desire for God to use you to gather a lot of people in your church. Hallelujah. And God wants his church to grow. In John 8, 7, he said, Though thy beginning is small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. That is the prophetic destiny of God for every church. That the church starts small, but God's prophetic destiny is that the church will become large. In the in the Anakazo story, in Luke chapter 14, where Jesus said, a certain Lord um, invited many people to dinner and uh, they all gave reasons, excuses why they could not come. And Jesus explained that he sent his servant and said, then go out there and invite other people to come. So he went out there and invited people and then when he came, he told his master, we have invited people, but there is still room. And the Bible said that his Lord, being angry, then said, now go into the streets, go into the byways, go into the corners, and compel. That word, compel, the Greek is a word, anakazo, which means to entreat, make it necessary. Use every legal means, you know, to help to invite the people into the kingdom. He said, compel them. And he said, so that my house will be full. So that my house will be full. Hallelujah. And the Lord said unto the servant, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Brothers and sisters, God wants his house to be filled. Amen. God wants his house to be filled. God is not happy to see empty churches. Half-filled churches. One-third-filled churches. Amen. God's desire is so that his house will be filled all the time. And that brings glory to God. In John chapter 15 and verse 8, 
Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that you should bear much fruit. Then he said, For them are ye my disciples. He said, My Father is honored. My Father receives glory, honor. The scripture says that the glory of the king is in the gathering of the multitudes. Hallelujah. Now, Bishop Jacob was just talking about the Pope. Why is the Pope respected? He's respected because he leads more than one billion people in this world. They, they, they don't respect him based on what he teaches or what he knows. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter to them. But the reason why they accept him, I was watching him arriving on American soil yesterday. And for the first time, listen to this, for the first time, the sitting president of the United States of America and his vice were there to welcome him. And the, the person who was reporting on his arrival made particular note of that. It's unusual for anybody to come to this country for the sitting president and his vice to be there. Because that is very dangerous. When something happens to the president, the vice has to step in. So the president and the vice don't go out like that together. It shows you the respect, the honor, the value that they place on the Pope. And that is because he controls one-seventh. There are seven billion people in this world. He controls one-seventh. If you count one, two, three, four, five, every seven person is controlled, managed, eh, inspired by the Pope. And that is what brings the honor. God is glorified. God is honored. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. He said, for then are ye my disciples. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is a learner. So Jesus said that if you are a true follower of me, you cannot be somebody who will be bringing a few sheep. You are somebody who is going to be fruitful. Hallelujah. So, every pastor here, every church worker here, I want you to understand that the heart of God is that his house will be filled. And that is why I really want to bless God for Bishop Jake for this vision to encourage all of us to build large churches. Amen. Don't deceive yourself. If you are in a church and the church is a little church, don't encourage yourself that, oh, the fewer the merrier. It's not about merrier. It, it is about people going to hell. It's about people going to hell. And God does not want anybody to go to hell. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible says that, and it is the will of God that all should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Of which truth? That God, God loves the whole world, that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through His Son shall be saved. And God wants all to come to the knowledge of this truth. All. All. Second Peter 3 9, the scripture says that it is the will of God 
that none should perish. Amen. That none should perish. Look at it. Look at that scripture. It's very important. It's very, very important. You know, you cannot even start talking about a church growth when you, 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 you have, you have a certain, you know, negative feeling in your heart towards the growth of your church and the church. Hallelujah. So it's very, that is why in Ezekiel chapter 36, God says, for I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will multiply them of men like a flock. God says, I want to do it, but I'm waiting for them to ask. The church has been asking for so many things. Prosperity, blessings, wealth, eh? honor, self-promotion, so many other things. But God is saying that I'm waiting for them to ask me to multiply them. May God multiply you with men like a flock. I said, may God multiply you with men as a flock. May God multiply you with men as a flock. Amen. That is the desire of God. So, be impregnated. Amen. With this idea that God wants to use you to build a larger. God wants to surround you with thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Hallelujah. Now, when the church was born, alright, Jesus, the Son of God, came to minister for three years and left But before he went, he left us with the commission to go and make disciples in the whole world. He gave that commission to 12 men. Hallelujah. One didn't behave properly and lost his ministry, but he was replaced. Pastors, if you don't fulfill your ministry, you will be replaced. Hallelujah. And one of the things that can replace you is when you don't do what you are asked to do. When you are working and your boss gives you instructions and you persistently and consistently do not obey it, you lose your place. Amen. So when it comes to building a church, winning the loss, evangelizing, Raising up leaders, planting churches, growing churches. That is the mandate that God has given to every pastor and to every Christian. And if we don't do it, it is a good reason for you to be replaced. Hallelujah. Now when Jesus ascended into heaven, these 11 men who later became 12, with the addition of Matthias, Went to the upper room together with other close disciples. There were 120. There were 120. And when the Holy Spirit, the Lord 
of the harvest entered this well. And if I get the opportunity, I'll be teaching you about how the Holy Spirit brings church growth. But Jesus called him the Lord of the harvest. When he entered the well, he gave birth to the church. And on that first day, when the church started, 3,000 people were, were added to the church. 12, 120, 3,000. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going into the temple at the hour of prayer. Through the gate called Beautiful. They raised up a layman who had been sitting down there for many years. And that drew the attention of many people. And through that, many people entered the kingdom. Even though the spiritual leaders opposed them, the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, that many people heard them. And on that day, 5,000 people came into the kingdom. 11, 12, plus 120, plus 3,000, plus 5,000. And, and, and we are only in our chapter 4. We are only in our chapter 4. But our chapter 5, our chapter 5, verse 14, the Bible says that now multitudes of people, both men and women, were added to the church and believers were the more. Hello? Believers were the more. May believers be the more added to your church. When you sit in the church and believers are not the more being added. You see, it talks about progression. It talks about progression. Don't, don't comfort yourself. That you have been there and the church has been 50 for the past 5 years. Yeah. No. Don't comfort yourself. Don't encourage yourself. Don't say that, well, I mean, we've tried. You are trying. But Jesus said, herein is my father glorified. Herein is my father glorified. We must pay particular attention to the words of Jesus. We must pay particular attention to the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus are different from the words of the apostles. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is why in the Bible, his words are coded in red. Yeah. Multitudes. By the time we get to Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible said that, and when the number of the disciples were multiplied, were multiplied, when the number of the disciples were multiplied, we are talking about 12, 120, 3,000, 5,000, 
And now we are talking about multiplication. I pray to God that after this conference, wherever you, are, you, are, you have come from, wherever you are standing now in your church, may the spirit of multiplication, may the spirit of multiplication, may the spirit of multiplication come upon you. Go with the spirit of multiplication in the name of Jesus. this book to you. Uh, Bishop Jake spoke about it. The, the mega church. Right? Okay. I would like to recommend this book to you, the mega church. In this book, in the chapter one, Bishop Doug gives about 25 reasons why you must have a mega church. Yeah. Amen. You must have a mega church because it is the most appropriate vision of a pastor. You, you are a pastor. What is your vision? Let me ask you a question. I, I, I'm a doctor. What is my vision when I go to the hospital? When I go to the hospital, my vision is not to pray for people fast, cast out devils. I mean, when they bring me a, an asthmatic patient who is breathing, <sighs> I don't stand and say, in the name of Jesus, whose I am, I command you to come. No, that's not what I do. No. What is my, my vision is to get that patient, you know, well, in the shortest possible time. Are you getting what I'm saying? Businessmen have a vision to make money. Businessmen have a vision to make money. When you are a football striker, I will give you the normal analogies. You understand it? The vision is that don't go to the back. Don't worry, you stand there. Eh? We have somebody called the number 10. The number 10, they give precise passes. The messes, the fabricases, and all these people. See, this is to push the ball. They, they call it, uh, they call it, you know, pushing the ball through. True pass. Now, you the striker, when you get the ball, your vision is not to pass. Your vision, only one vision, put the ball into the net. Put the ball into the net. When you are a pastor, your vision is not to put the ball into the net. Your vision is not to make money. Your vision is not to bring glory to yourself. But your vision is, herein is my father glorified that you will bear much fruit. For then, I hear my disciples indeed. So, having a mega church must be the most appropriate vision of a pastor. And of every church worker. Every church member, you should have the aim of helping your pastor to grow the church. 
Amen. Do you understand it? You must have a mega church because our harvest field is not the little corner that you are. Jesus didn't send you to your street. Kojo Thompson Street. Your church is planted on Kojo Thompson Street. But it doesn't mean that your, your vision and your field of harvest is Kojo Thompson Street. Hallelujah. Then Jesus came and said, All power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore to all nations and preach and teach them. Hallelujah. To all nations. To all nations. To all nations. And you shall receive power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem. In Judea. In Samaria. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. Hallelujah. If. If. That is your vision. You cannot have a few people in your church. You cannot have a few people in your church. And that is why Bishop Jacob was teaching us about expanding the church. Moving. Many of you pastors, you have been in one place all these years with only one church. It's not enough. The light of the gospel must be, must be made to shine in different corners. Hallelujah. And don't listen to it. When people who are, who are worldly and backslidden and have evil spirits say, there's too many churches. Chapel also. Baby at chapel. There are not too many churches. Wherever you turn in Cape Coast, there's a disco. There's a nightclub. There's a drinking spot. There, there, there are meeting places of other religions. We came to tell you that the time has come. There must be a church in every house, at every corner, at every street, at every lane, in every community. There must be a church. And we should not be ashamed of that. We should not be ashamed of that. You see, please sit down. We don't understand what the church is. It's unfortunate. But we Christians don't understand what the church is. The church is the light of the world. Why is there so much darkness in the world? Because there's little light. Because the church is the light. Jesus says, so let, he said, no man lighted a candle and put it under a basket. But he puts it on the table. So that the light thereof will shine in the whole house. So let your light so shine that all men will see it and give glory to your father. <laughs> Hallelujah. The church is the truth of the world. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. So why is it that there's so much deception? So much lying, so much dishonesty, so much corruption. And we are crying, corruption here, corruption there, corruption here, corruption there. It is because we have not expanded the light. The more churches we have that is preaching the truth, the more the people are going to be affected. Hallelujah. The church 
is the assembly of the people who have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the glorious light of Jesus Christ. The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. If there is anything that we must give our strength, energy, resources, intellect, soul, spirit, body, attention to build, it's not hotels. It's not uh, roads. It's not wells. It's not financial institutions. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Church is very important. Church is very important. Hallelujah. And filled churches. Filled churches. Hallelujah. When you have a mega church, pastors, you have a lot of money to carry out God's vision that he has given to you. There are a lot of things that are on your heart. Most of the times you are limited because of finances. Amen. Are we not enjoying a beautiful edifice here? A church, cathedral, offices, car park, everything. It makes the work of God possible. But it takes a lot of money. It's not child play. It takes a lot of money. Do you understand it? And when you have money, when you have a lot of people in the church, it becomes easier. If you have 50 people and everybody gives 100 Ghana cities, that's 50 Ghana cities. And if you have 100, that's 100 Ghana cities. If you have 1,000, that is 1,000 Ghana cities. If you have 5,000, that's 5,000. And each of these are different levels of monies that can do different things. When you have a large church, you have a lot of workers. Some will be praying at the same time. Many of you pastors say, you do everything. You lead the choir, you lead the prayer, you lead the revival, you lead the crusade. You have to be there because you don't have people to help you. And that is why you are dying. That is why you are exhausted. That is why you are discouraged. I'll be teaching at this campaign a strategy that is going to relieve pastors of all the, the hustling and let you pastor with joy. Let you pastor with joy. Amen. In my church, we have um, prayer rotation. Every day, a group is praying. Every day. It goes on throughout the whole month. Goes on throughout the whole month. This week, as I'm here, one of my pastors is having a crusade. Somebody else is doing this. Somebody else is doing this. Some people have also gone here to go and do some outreach here. Some people have also gone here. You need a lot of people. You need a lot of people. And that is only possible when the church is big. So a mega church has so many advantages for the kingdom of God. Amen. When you have a large church, there are more weddings. There are more Choices in the in the church. Yeah. Do you understand it? Because we are all different. Somebody wants to marry a lady of large breasts. That 
when I was when I was growing up, that was my vision. As a young man, my vision was that I'll marry a lady with two large breasts. Do you know why? Because I said to myself that in the night I'll put my head in her chest and then she'll cover she'll cover my head. Unfortunately, unfortunately, God didn't answer my prayer, but I'm enjoying what He gave to me. But, but some people also want to marry a lady with small breasts. In the large church, if you want a tall sister, she's there. Short sister, she's there. Fair, colored sister, she's there. A sister with, to whom to? To whom to is there. Um, the back base. Alright? And the back base can be big and tall. There are some brothers who like that. When you lie on it, it's like Volo mattress. Latest foam. But if you don't also want that and you want a flat, flat screen one, that one's too, in a large church, you'll find. You understand that? There are sisters, there are sisters who want short brothers that they can bully. You'll find in the church. And then there are some sisters who want brothers who are macho who can protect them. In a large church, you can find. You understand that? In a mega church, you, there are choices. But if you have only 20 people, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. So listen, what I'm saying is that, and I want you to get this book and, and study, you know, um, that chapter. So it is a blessing to have a large church. So pastors, let us go for large churches. Clap your hands for the Lord. Now, how many of you are convinced that you must have a, a large church? Lift up your hand. I want to see. Alright, because I'm going to pray right now for God to answer that prayer. If, if you don't want a large church, don't lift up your hand. How many of you want a large church? Lift it up your hand very high. Father, I pray. A large church comes from you. And now I ask for a release of the grace of God that brings the mega church. In the name of Jesus, grant your people that grace right now. Let that anointing to build a large church. Paul, 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 receive it. Paul on God's people right now. In the name of Jesus, translate us from small churches, from struggling churches, medium-sized churches, and now, Lord, make us pastors of large flock. You said you have been waiting for us to ask for that. Grant it to us. Receive it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands for the Lord. Recently, a pastor came to testify at our church group conference. 
he has been coming for a while. And he said, when I come, I sit at a particular place. He had 18 members. 18 members. And in three, three years, the Lord has given him 300 members. Amen. Another pastor testified. He came only last year with one branch. This year, he has six branches. Is it, it's uh, Reverend Ampedu. He said, if you can open your heart. And I think Reverend Bento said the same. If you can open your heart. As we are here, something will enter you. Yeah, something will enter you. You go out of this conference and you'll be amazed that that same church that you're almost about to give up on. I had a pastor come to see me just last Sunday to tell me his story. Very pathetic. Listen, it's not easy. It's not easy. But thank God that we are here. And I want to continue. I want to encourage you to continue to come. Okay? Conferences like this are not things that you just make an appearance and disappear because they build up. There's a total package. Amen. The scripture says, Who has woes? Who has contentions? Who has sorrows? Who has wounds that do not heal? Who has redness of eyes? It is they that tarry long. I don't mind. So when you tarry here, all throughout this campaign, something is going to happen to you. Now, having laid the foundation and made the case in your heart for a large church, I want to tonight give you one powerful thing that you need to start with to begin to cause your church to rise. Hallelujah. Now, in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33. And you remember that Matthew chapter 13, Jesus, that's where Jesus started the parable of the sower. So many parables. But in verse 13, alright, the scripture says, another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto living. Everybody say living. Which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Now, the New Living Translation says, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in, make, in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Hallelujah. Hmm? The NIV says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it went all through the dough. And the contemporary English version, take note, says, the kingdom of heaven is like what happens when a woman mixes a little yeast into three big batches of flour. Finally, 
all the dough rises. Hallelujah. Now, this is a very powerful church growth revelation that I want all of us to understand. Jesus compared the growth of the kingdom to a woman adding yeast. How do you call yeast infante? Yeast. 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 Was it yeast? I can uh, you know, it's some uh, Is there anybody who bakes bread? Who bakes bread? Is there anybody? You bake bread? No, seriously. You bake bread? Come. Give me a mic. At the pan, Eh? My mother. But do you know how she does it? Yeah, please stand. You are becoming very famous. Alright, yes. Go ahead. How does she do it? Um, please, first of all, you first of all you take the um the flour, then you add some margarine to it. Um, after mixing your um sugar and water, then you add some salt to it. Then you pour it in bit into the um the mixture of the of the flour and the margarine. Then after you have put it in the um, the container. Yeah. Yes. In the machine for some time. Yes. Then you add, um, depending on the dose and depending on the time that you want the dough to rise, then you add um, maybe um, little spoons of the yeast to it. You add um, little uh, uh, teaspoon of the yeast. Why, why, why do they add yeast? Um, so that it will rise. Um, usually when they bake their bread, it's very small. And so, it is flat. Yes, yeah, very flat. So when you add the yeast, it makes it rise. On my pan, no then. Otu. Your church is going to Otu. I said your church is going to Otu. Clap your hands for the brother. Now listen. That thing, you see? Now watch me. Spiritual principles are often based on natural principles. And Jesus is explaining to us, pastors, how your church is going to grow. Amen. Your church, building the church. How do you build a church? You look at the place, you fast, you pray, you do evangelism. Is that not so? Gather people. Begin to teach them. Alright? Have meetings, Sundays, weekdays, prayer meetings, and all that. And it goes on. That is the flour. Adding the water. The margarine. Putting the machine. And the sugar. If a sugar bread, sugar. Eh? A sugar bread. And then there's butter bread. No sugar. And all that. Now, when you finish, when you finish, all right, and then you put it, they have a bread uh, container, is that not it? Where you put the flour. Eh? Yeah. When you finish, you have done all that. But I tell you, nobody will buy this bread. No, 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 no. 
Why? Because Panonu Usa. Panonu Swa. Panonu Swa. When you sell, no, 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 no. Panonu Swa. Yepepanwa. Wait. Big bread. How many of you want, want a big bread? Hallelujah. Now, so Jesus said, after you have done all that, you need to add something for the bread to rise. And what you need is yeast. Brothers and sisters, for the church to grow, you need to add living. You need to add living. You need to add living. Hallelujah. What is the living? The living are the human and divine factors that bring about church growth. Now, why are we here? Why has God touched the heart of his servant, Bishop Jake, to gather us? Because we have been building the church. But God says, I'm gathering you over three days. And within those three days, I'm going to put in your hands yeast. Yeast. So when you go back to your church, you put the yeast in the church and then it will cause the church to rise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Why? Because yeast is an influence. Yeast is an influence. It's an influence. It brings a change. It brings a transformation. Yeast is something that causes a change. Living. Living. And the Greek word in that uh, verse is Zyme. Z-Y-M-E. So Jesus said the kingdom of God is like yeast. Living. Zyme. That a woman took. And he put in three measures of flour. And he caused it to rise. Hallelujah. God is going to put living in your life. So as we're here, and the different speakers are speaking and talking, you should be looking out for the living. <laughs> you should be looking out for the living that you need. You should be no- taking note of the living. You should be listening to the, to the living. Because the living will be dropping as they are speaking. So, so then you, you pick it. You must decide to leave this campaign with a backload of living to your church. That you are going to use over a long period of time. Amen. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 6, Jesus said, Beware of the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When he said that, immediately the disciples thought about bread. They thought about bread. Amen. But Jesus was not talking about bread. He was talking about the destructive teachings and traditions of the Pharisees. He was saying that when their teachings and their doctrines come into your life, reject them because they destroy you. If I, he explained it in verse, in, verse, in verse 12. In verse 12, look at it. Then understood they how that 
he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So doctrines can affect a church. Doctrines. Doctrines, what's a doctrine? Systematic teaching. Yeah. Can affect a church. Paul said to the Corinthian church, because uh, the Corinthian church was full of evil. Fornicators, I mean, fornication, that had never been heard of anywhere. The extent that there was a guy in the church who was sleeping with his father's wife. And they were very happy in the church. And in First Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6, Paul said, your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little living, a little living, living at the whole lamp. In other words, he was saying that and, and, and was referring to this spirit of fornication and, and, and sexual immorality that was being entertained in the church. And he was saying that, don't you that this spirit is going to affect the whole church and destroy it. You see, a living has influence. Living has effect. Living brings a change. Living brings transformation. Hallelujah. Amen. So then, listen to this. If false doctrines or evil doctrines and evil spirits can affect a church, then I want you to know that when you also sit under anointed teaching, God-inspired teaching, you understand it? About church growth, by the time you leave, your life and your ministry will be living nice. Clap your hands for Jesus. So living is very important. Now, during this Chago campaign, three different types of living are coming into your life. Yeah. By the time this campaign ends, God will have infused, infiltrated your life, your spirit, your soul, your understanding with three different areas of living. Number one is wisdom. Wisdom. Amen. We are going to receive great wisdom. Now, wisdom is very important. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get Wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. When we say that something is the principal, it means it's the number one, the most important. The first. Hallelujah. Now, why is wisdom the most important thing? Because, listen to me, wisdom talks about the way you think. And the way you think affects your life. And the way you think affect what you do. Now, for example, if you take Ghana or much of Africa, okay, we are not developed, we are poor, we don't have infrastructure, we are surrounded by felt, we don't have roads. Do you understand it? What is the result? Is it because we don't have natural resources? No, that's not, that's not it. The western region of Ghana has more resources than most countries in the world. 
Only the Western region. Their country, Singapore doesn't have anything. Singapore doesn't have anything. And yet, Singapore is one of the richest Muslim countries in the world. But why are we poor? Why are we underdeveloped? Why are we suffering and all that? It's the way we have been thinking for close to 60 years. The way we have been thinking. So the way you have been thinking in your church greatly has affected your church. Yeah. In fact, when we finished the recent church conference, actually doing it, one of my, my pastors came to see me and said, look, an elderly pastor spoke to him after one of the sessions and said, wow, I didn't know that all over these years I've just been doing church. I've just been doing church. In other words, he explained that the people just come. I preach to them and then they go. And to me, that was church. But he didn't know that there were so many things that he had to do to give him a certain level of ministry. So you see, what was happening is that right during the conference, his thinking was changing. Now listen to me. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Mighty works are the product of the way you think. Mighty works. Mighty works. Great works. Great works. Are as a result of the way that you think. How come that we the same people in Africa, when we step out of this continent and go to Europe and America, we stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Some of the most amazing scientists in the world have immigrated from Africa. Yeah. Our own professor, Alote, he has an, a mathematical equation that is recognized universally from Ghana. Our own Kofi Annan became the United Nations General Secretary. You see why? Because because you realize that the way you think begins to change. Mark chapter 6 and verse 2. Mark chapter 6 and verse 2. Or you can start from verse 1. And he went out, this is talking about Jesus from thence, and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man distance? And what wisdom? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? What wisdom has been given to him? Take note. What wisdom has been given to him? He had received wisdom. Jesus was full of wisdom. And, and the product of his wisdom was the mighty works. And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? That even such mighty works, mighty works. So listen, mighty works are the product of wisdom. That is why, as we are going to leave this conference to build a, a mega ministry, a great ministry, a
powerful ministry to the glory of the Lord, one of the things that God is going to give to you, one of the living is wisdom. Wisdom. Now, when I say wisdom, what do I mean? How to do something. And what to do. What to do. What to do. What to do. Wisdom is what to do. The level of ministry that you have today has been defined by your understanding so far. But God can begin now to open your mind to different things and show you that you can also do that. 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 Yeah. I will share with Bishop Jake a new service that I just started in our church. Fifth adult service. Just Sunday. And when <laughs> when the idea came, I said, my God, this service, Bishop Francis, could have been started five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago. Because all the conditions and ingredients to make me have that specialized service has been in existence. So I was wondering that, ah, but why? But then I realized that I had not, I had not received the wisdom for that particular service. I had not received the wisdom. I had not received the wisdom. You need wisdom to do things in the church. To let the church work in a particular way. And during this conference, the Holy Spirit is going to show you. He's going to impart you with wisdom. Hallelujah. We have come to a hospital. Our blood levels are very low. The Holy Spirit is going to transfuse us with blood. So that we can go back refreshed and stronger. Wisdom. Talk about the mighty works of Solomon. What defined it? Wisdom. Talk about the foolish works of Rehoboam. Who inherited his father's church. His father's church. Of twelve tribes. Okay? And by his wisdom. Which he had. Through his association with people at his own level. You understand it? At his own level, his church finished. His church finished. Within the, his first pastor's meeting, the decision of the first pastor's meeting led to a complete depletion of the church. But you see, before that meeting, he interacted with two types of people. People at his own level and people who have been with his father Solomon, who through the association with Solomon have gleaned wisdom, insights. Amen? Now, most of the things that we are sharing with you at this conference are things that we have gleaned through our association with Bishop Dark. You see, the things that have made the Lord use him so mightily 
as we have walked with him, we have gleaned the association. And it is some of those things that we are sharing here. Which means that, which means that if you listen to them, you are also listening to something from a higher wisdom. If you implement them, you are implementing something from a higher wisdom. He refused the wisdom from the elderly people. His church was finished. His church was finished. After the first pastor's meeting, when he stood before the church and said, well, now that I'm a pastor, you understand it? This, these are the decisions. When they finished, that was it. They said, to thy tent, O Israel. It's finished. So, what I'm trying to say is that the way you think affects the things that you do. Amen. Amen. And, and your church is at the level that it is, it has the state that it is, based on the way you have been thinking. So, God is going to give you a new living, which is wisdom. Another wisdom. Hallelujah. Another wisdom. Amen. And then, God is going to bless you. So that is the first one. The second living is your stereotype. God is going to change your stereotype. Your stereotype. Now, when we talk about stereotype, it talks about a certain way you have been doing things for a long time. A certain way you have been doing certain things for a long time. So you are used to doing things in a certain way. And it also a certain pattern. A certain pattern. And it affects you. It affects you. It affects the church. It affects the ministry. So at this campaign, as the different speakers come and as we interact and as we share fellowship, get ready to accept, to change the way you have been doing certain things. Hello? Don't, don't be an old stiff tree that cannot be bent. When you are working with God, you should be ready to be malleable, flexible. Otherwise, you can't even be destroyed. Moses, take your rod, hit the rock, water will come. Let the people drink and be happy. Now that is five years ago. Today, Moses, take your rod, but this time, don't hit it. Speak. But he was used to, he was used to how the waters came the other time. <laughs> then I started. So he was telling God, ah, what, what, what strange thing is this? What I hate it. That's the easiest way for the water to come. But God was saying, listen, you are not the one that brings the water. You see, the church, pastors, you are not building the church. There is no pastor here who is building anything. Jesus said, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. We are just servants and laborers in his hands. Yeah. Can you imagine that you want to build your dream house? Your architect has come up with the design. You give it to the contractor and he decides that ah, why, why do you want a, a five bedroom house? 
Why? Just a, a boy's quarters in the corner of the, you know. And then why do you want this type of doors that are straight? Let them just slant a, a little. In life, nothing is so straight. Let them just slant a little. And then the, the contractor does what he or she wants. Will you be happy? Will you be happy? As we are serving the Lord, we must understand that God is the master builder. He has the pattern. So we, we should be malleable. We, we, should, we should change. Sometimes say we should bend, we bend. Go back, go back. Run fast, we run fast. Stand, we stand. Change this, we change this. We, that is why the Holy Spirit is here. That's why the Holy Spirit is here. You know, to tell you that, do this, change this, do this, add this one, preach this message, change this program, you know, and all that. But often, often, we are very stiff. And we get destroyed. For he that often be rebuked. Eh? Hardened his neck. Shall suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy. Amen? Amen. Look. Pastors, it's not about I attended a church good campaign. No, 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 no. The real benefit to you is that what is it that I heard? What is it that I'm going to implement? What is it that I heard? What is it that I'm going to implement? That's the living I'm talking about. So be ready for God to change. <laughs> One of our senior pastors was talking to me about a pastor who attended our conference. He said he met a pastor. And when he met a pastor, the pastor said, I'm now doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Because I didn't used to do them. But I realized that that is why my church has not been working. I need to do them. You see, the person is now implementing the living that God gave. Amen. As you are here, you must learn lessons. You must learn lessons and be ready to implement them. That was the nature of um, um, Solomon. Amen? I'm just ending. Look at Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 32. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 32. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. The NIV says, Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. Amen. So as you are here, and the word of God is coming, concerning different aspects of how to improve your church, grow your church, multiply your church, strengthen your church, you know, and all that. You must think about what you are hearing. You must. So that you can learn lessons that you go and apply in your church. How many of you understand that? Joshua. Joshua, a great army general, was about to step into the land of Canaan, cross the Jordan, and begin to take the land. 
And God said, you need a weapon. You need a weapon. A great army general. He said, you need a weapon. Joshua was very happy. He was used to AK-47s, intercontinental ballistic missiles, bazookas, different, this type of wild, wild, wild things. God said, no, 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 no. No. He said, what? What do I need? He said, this book of the law, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate day in day and night that thou mayest observe to do all that is written in it. For then thou shalt prosper and make thy way prosperous. Listen, he said, you will meditate. You meditate. Listen to me. The reason why most of us, we don't benefit from the word of God is that we read the word of God, but we don't meditate. We don't think about it, analyze soberly about it. Amen. The whole of this year, my quiet time is on the book of John from January. And John has 21 chapters. We are ending September. I've just started chapter 15. Eish. <laughs> this point I was thinking about the word of God. John 15, 16 said, and that's a bet that we all know. You have not chosen me. Eh? But I have chosen you. And ordained that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever we know it will recite it. When I look at the verse, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus is speaking here. Jesus is speaking here. You have not chosen me. I'm just thinking about this. When we go around in the ministry and in the church thinking that we are somebody that can do this and this and how foolish we are. You are nothing. Then I realized that now, you have, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you out of seven point something billion. You are one of the people. What an honor. What a blessing. I just kept on tossing the scripture in my mind. I just ended there. And that is about just one quarter of the verse. I, I can't go on. I need to be there to meditate. So as you are sitting down here, okay, God is going to tell you things. You must meditate and then use those, those ideas, strategies, concepts, wisdom, information that is divinely inspired to change the way you do things in your church. Yeah. So get ready to change your stereotype. And number three, the third living is the anointing for church growth. The anointing for church growth. At this conference, God is going to put an anointing for church growth on us. On us. Please. 
Listen to me. I'm ending. <laughs> the ministry is not by ability. By Takashi. No, 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 no. It's not by might. It is not by power. But it is by my spirit. The ministry is only possible through the power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. The anointing. And the anointing is specific. Watch this. The anointing is specific. What do I mean by that? The anointing does particular things. There is an anointing for every area of the ministry. Just like medicine. The medicines that we use to treat malaria, we don't use them to treat eye problems. And in the different divisions of medicine, dentistry, doctors, obstetrics and gynecologists, women doctors, pediatrics, children doctors, eh? physicians, internal medicine specialists who treat different, you know, those who do operations, surgeons. To become each, to become any of these things, you need specialized information specialized environment over a long time. So in the ministry, there's the grace of God that helps you to stand on a crusade platform and preach for sinners to be saved. It's the evangelistic anointing. There is the anointing that helps you to, to look after God's people. The anointing of the shepherd. That is the anointing of the pastor. The pastoral anointing. There is the anointing for signs and wonders and miracles. So you take people like uh, Bishop Dad, who stand on a crusade platform. One time, we are having an Easter service at the Kodesh. And he said, I'm going to pray for the sick. Okay, so if you are sick, place your hand wherever the sickness. There is a Father, in the name of Jesus, please heal your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Now check your body if you are healed. As I saw the fantastic miracles, and I was wondering about it, and the Holy Spirit said, it is an anointing. Then the Holy Spirit said, either it is there or it is not there. So it's not by trying. Either there's an anointing for healing, miracles, signs and wonders, or it is not there. Then there's a prophetic anointing. I mean, if there's a prophet here, if there's a prophet sitting down here, by now he has seen Jesus, he has seen angels. I have not seen anything. I just, I, I'm seeing your faces. But a prophet is seeing things here. Why? In the same way, there is an anointing that causes churches to grow. And either it is there or it is not there. Yeah. When you see a pastor of a large church, see 
the gift of God. See the gift of God. It's an anointing. When you go to Dr. Cho's church, Dr. Cho's church, he's an old man now. In 2007, in 2007, he had 800,000 people in his church. And then in 2008 or 9, he retired. Now, when he retired, he appointed a pastor in the church where he himself was. But he said the church was too big for the pastor. So he gave this new pastor 400,000 people. And then he chose 20 other of his pastors and gave each one of them 20,000. 20,000, 20,000, 20,000, 20,000, 20,000. Dr. Cho, if you are going to start a church as a pastor, he can give you 5,000 members to start with. His, his pastors, his own brother, has a church in a place called Incheon, not very far from Seoul. His own brother has a church for about 500,000 people. When you, you, you see his pastors, they are charged 50,000. The pastor that is not doing well, not to look at a bear 10,000. Now, one time he explained, at a church go conference, he explained. He said there was a, a contractor who was building church buildings all around. Are you here? You've gone home. I'm closing. You see? Listen, when we have reached, be careful. Because something can fall on you right now. Yeah. Be very careful. He said, there was a, a contractor who builds churches in uh, South Korea. And the man came to him and said, no, there's something that I've seen. I don't understand it. I build church buildings. But all over the country, if I have to build a large church building, it's your church. It's your pastor. How do you explain that? So the Tocho said that he explained to him that in Korea, there are two types of bamboo families. There's small bamboo and a big bamboo. And he said that when you go to a place where there's small bamboo, every one of those bamboos is small. You cannot see one big bamboo. And when you go to a place where there are big bamboos, every bamboo there is big. You can't see even one. So he said, he said, in my ministry, God has made me big bamboo. And the pastors that go out of me carry a big bamboo anointing. And there was something that he said that oh, made me happy. He said, all of you sitting down here from today, you have joined the big bamboo family. And I declare that every one of you here, every one of you here from today, the big bamboo anointing that causes a church to explode, that causes a church to grow is coming upon you now. Listen, either it is there or it, it is not there. 
Either it is there or it is not there. I, I tell you. No, 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 no. Either it is there or it is not there. Pastors, please, if there is anything that you want, ask the Lord to give you an anointing for church growth. Look, once you have that anointing and God blesses your church for a lot of people, you can do so many things. You can do so many things. Bishop Dark is all over the world evangelizing without sweat. Why? Because he's banned by a worldwide domination of thousands of churches and thousands of people. Why wouldn't he get money to be evangelism? Why wouldn't he get money to build all these churches? We are building all over. So desire is an anointing. It is a grace of God. I won't lie to you. Since 2007, say this anointing. See, when I went to Korea and came back, I was so inspired. On a Sunday, in Dr. Church, there are seven services. Now, the auditorium, like this, itself takes 12,500. But there are so many other buildings, some basements that are filled. That are all in the service at the same time. And then outside the compound, there are other places. He has built other churches that the people are sitting down there and they have linked in. And then there are people who don't even, they, can't, they don't have a place to sit in the church. So they stay at home in their cells and then they bring them the sermons. That's how the, 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 the church is organized. But the amazing thing, the amazing thing was that after one service, 12,500 people. It takes a long time for them to filter out. And during that time, they have small, small gates. You know, so the people just go out and then for some time, they are just sort of setting up. A new choir is coming in, you know, and all that. Every service has a choir. And the choir, the choir for the service. When you look at the choir, 200, 250 people. They are just one, 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 one choir has come. Ojaf. But the most amazing thing is this. Now, for most of us, even the most stressful part of the Sunday service is how the people trickle in. Chapuna mu 25 people. The pastor, you are in church, you have started prayer meeting. It takes 9.30 for the first person to come. By the time we say now, the church has actually taken off. Instead of 9.30, we are about 10.30, 10.45. You see people just trick, you get so discouraged. You say, how do you know? Huh? We have been doing the church work for a few days. Oh, in one of the churches that I was pastoring many years ago, in the 90s, I go to church, I get so depressed. Man of God, I can't preach. Spend the night praying, you know, done visitations. Visited all my members. Ebiase, what's up for my back? What's up for my back? 
Hey. Oh, my home. David, you tell your ashes. Based on the visitations and everything. Uh, one rent bear 15 fan count. How many of you understand what I'm saying? I'll be so depressed. In Dr. Stroh Church, when, when the next service has to start, they open the gate. Believe you me. Go and see. 12,500 people. Within a matter of 5, 10 minutes. It's full. And then more people are outside waiting. It continues like that. Seven times. I mean, later, the later service, not all of them are full, but it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And as I said, in Isaiah, God said, I'll hiss unto them and they shall gather with speed swiftly. When the grace of God is there, they will gather with speed swiftly. At this church group campaign, the third living that God is going to put on you is the anointing for church group. The anointing for church group. We believe you have been blessed by this message. We invite you to worship with us at the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Collegon, opposite the Collegon Main Gate. Our service times are early rain service, 6.30 to 8.15 a.m. Love and Hope service, local languages services, from 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. Love and Faith service, from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. Our Vibrant Youth Church is also at 9.30 a.m. to 12 noon. Be part of our midweek impartation service this and every Tuesday from 6.15 to 8.30 p.m. prompt. For further prayer and counseling and further inquiries, please call 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289. The numbers again. 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289 God bless you to glorify